My loves, I am so happy and so pleased to announce that this episode is brought to you by my very own company, Savage Chocolates, which is all about cultivating a more loving relationship to your body and to food. You know, we don't really believe in guilty pleasure. We just believe in pleasure done well. And have you ever had that uh, candy bar or a thing of ice cream and you eat it and you're like, wait, I don't, I don't remember eating that. (laughs) Wait, where'd that go? (laughs) Well, that's why I created Savage Chocolates because I know the importance of pleasure. And I think that we don't slow down enough to actually experience it. And so... If you are wanting to eat mindfully, if you are wanting to be reminded of how to actually experience your pleasure, then please go to www.savagelosangeles.com to order your goods. All right, you guys, let's get to it. Oh my God, Shannon Alcio, you're back. We're back on the podcast. We're back. We're back. I'm back. Okay, you were my first guest ever. No. Yes, you were my first Whoa. guest ever. Well, I remember that like vividly. Yeah. I was so caffeinated in that conversation. <laughs> were you really? Were you like Jitters McGee? <laughs> yeah, I, I listened back to it and I was like, girl, you need to like tune Breathe. down the caffeine. <laughs> you know what? But I loved I, every second of it. I don't even remember. Maybe we were just excited. Well, Maybe. that was definitely a part. It was like caffeine plus Alexa plus me. Like, yeah, that the conversation is alive. And we um we were in your old bedroom yes. on Sunset. On Sunset, and we've both moved since then several times. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. goodness. Oh my mm. God, Shannon, I am so a honored to have you um, because I love you and you're such a truth seeker, truth lover teacher of mine. Um, but I'm, I'm just so excited to have you on because you have been creating some magic that I can't wait to share with everybody. Um, can we just start out? Do you mind sharing a little bit for those of you who missed the first episode? Um, silly you, can you just give us like a little download about who you are and what you do and like what the tea is on that? Yeah. Well, first of all, I just have to start off by saying like how much I love you and how grateful I am for you, for you. Like you and I have been on this journey together for so long at this point, guys, Alexa and I went to college together and we're in the same musical theater program. Truth. I used to watch this bitch dancing her ass off, but like... (laughs) Before there was Instagram, I was peeking through the window watching Alexa dance. Being like, this bitch is doing PKs. What is she doing? Yeah. (laughs) PKs for Jesus. Um, (laughs) um, And yeah, to be, to like, and then we grew up doing yoga together. And then we both moved to LA around the same time. And we've had a company together and we've recorded together. We've cried together. We've, we've drank together. We've toasted together. We've had holidays together. Like I, this is not my average podcast interview like I just am so grateful for you dude you have I was just gonna say you've done mushrooms with my mom like we, <laughs> we, like we've done shit <laughs> nothing makes me prouder than to say I've done mushrooms with Lori Lee Salvaggio your mom wow it's really like iconic mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Oh my God. Um, so thank you for that. I just want to start with that. Thank you. Yes. I was like, wait, I what wouldn't are we doing? be here without you. I wouldn't <laughs> be here without you. That was and my mushrooms. first thought. Was my yeah. Mom. And, and mushrooms with your mom. Um, <laughs> just like hands up to that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, uh, I wrote this book, trust your truth, heal self doubt, awaken to your soul's purpose and live your badass life. Um, and I've been writing it for almost three years. Um, this process has humbled me, has taught me, has forced me to slow down, has caused me to go inward, has had me reckon with like, you know, I do feel like this is my first book. I think there are more on the way, but like, you never know. I don't know what life's going to happen. I don't know how long I've got on this planet. So like it caused me to reckon with like, what do I really want to say? What is the information that I want to gather and, and deliver to people? Um, And yeah. And really, you know, the process has been a lot of um, tuning inward to myself and sharing some really personal raw stories of my own transformative path in hopes that it can mirror and model to the reader, like what it can look like to get gnarly with some of these moments that we experience in life and hopefully turn them into opportunities for growth and learning um, and healing. Uh, and, and yeah, so the, you know, the book is a journey through the seven chakras. It's about finding your truth on every energetic level of you. Yep. And, you know, there's journaling prompts in the book. It's really important to me that I'm not just, you know, like I am some enlightened spiritual master master telling you how to live your life. I just kind of vomit at the thought of those types of books. And so I Mm -hmm. wanted to write a book that was like, hey, I've been through some shit. I've learned some shit. I've studied some shit. And I want to share with you where I'm at. And I'm on this journey with you. I am not on a platform or stage above you. I am like with you, my friends. And I hope that that people feel that as they read the book um, and explore some of the lessons. Oh, no doubt. I just started it. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, Um, Ah! yesterday, I'm like, wait, what day is it? Your writing is so beautiful, Shannon. And it's, Mm. it's not just like eloquent or beautiful. It's like so approachable um, and so embodied. It's so cool. It's Mm. so cool. Um, Cause there's like 8 million like self-helpy books out there. There's eight, more than 8 million for sure. And I was like, yeah, no joke. Um, But the way that you bring forward your vulnerability and your truth and the way that you share about your experience and how that guides us into our own is like so, so beautiful. So Mm. I I just want to ask for those of you who are like, okay, cool. Like the word truth has been thrown around like 8 million times. Like what is our truth? Like how do we go about even looking at what that means, what that is, and then counter that, like, why are we so good at not paying attention to it. Like what's the payoff there? Mm, yeah. I mean, that's, that's like the essence of this book. Yeah. Cause it's like, trust your truth. Okay, cool. Like sounds good. Yeah. But what does that look like when we're getting like in like down and dirty in the mud, like right. working with that. And for me, it's looking at part, part of it is looking at all of the quote unquote truths, which are so often lies that society has sold to us, bestowed upon us, steeped us in. And then we believe that, well, 
yeah, like I'm not worthy of, of writing a book unless I have a certain number of followers, or I'm not worthy of being in a certain type of relationship unless my body looks a certain way. Um, I'm not worthy of hanging out with those types of people unless I have that type of car or a certain amount of money in my bank account or a bag. And we, we tether our self-worth to someone or something outside of us. And all of a sudden we're like puppets and we're, or we're just like chasing after someone else's dream, someone else's vision for how we should live our lives. And we, yeah, we see that play out system. I mean, part, part of the reason we have uh, toxic systemic systems of capitalism, patriarchy, white supremacy are that so many of us are just, we, we grow up in these systems that it's like the air we breathe and the water that we're swimming in. And then That's all of a problem. sudden, yeah. I mean, all of a sudden, and this is what I, what I went through was like, all of a sudden I'm living this life. I'm doing the things that I'm supposed to do to be successful, to feel enough. And all of a sudden, like something feels wrong. And I, and I feel it in my body. Something is off. Something is not in alignment. Um, and we can go deeper into this, but like a big lesson for me was like in my past relationship around um, both betrayal from my partner, but also self-betrayal where I was not listening to the messages of my body. And this is what I want everyone to hear is like, I'm not talking about truth as some airy fairy thing in the clouds. I am talking about what is your body telling you? What do you already yeah. know to be true in your heart, but might be so scary to listen to, acknowledge, or feel because there's yeah. no roadmap. The, th the thing about society that like you said, the payoff, the payoff by going with society and fitting into that system is there's kind of roadmaps. You know, you kind of know how that looks. Some sort of certainty. Yeah. There's some kind of certainty there. And when we listen, when you listen to your truth, when you listen to your body, when you listen to what is right for you, you're going into the wild. Potentially, there's not a path. There is not even potentially. There is no right path for you that does not require you to blaze that trail and find that way. And it doesn't mean you can't have people with you. I've got Alexa with me. There will be people who journey with you, who support you, who walk arm in arm, sometimes go in their own different directions and circle back. But there's something really brave about, about blazing your own trail and living a life that's in alignment with your truth instead of, instead of trying to make everyone else happy. Totally. God, I remember when you were in, I, I think this is the partnership that you're talking about when there was some um, infidelity happening and you had this like total knowing for, for a while before mm -hmm. there was any sort of ability to like throw that out into the world and like bring that forward. And why do you think we, we kid ourselves around that? Like, why do we lie to ourselves when we do know our truth? It's just because of the trail thing. Like we're like, Oh shit. Now I have to like do the own trail. Or is there like, are there other payoffs? Do you think to that? Like at least in the relationship piece, was there kind of a different payoff to not necessarily owning that truth right away? 
Yeah. I mean, that, that's such a great question. And I think it really, I think we all have different payoffs and different circumstances when we, when we're unwilling to see the truth, when we're unwilling to see or feel or sense or know or and reckon with what's real for us, then we can do all sorts of like wild, insane things to, to, to shield the vision that we, that we might otherwise see. And for me, I was, um, I felt in my body, this partner does not want monogamy. But then I would say, no, he told me he wants monogamy. Mm-hmm. But I would feel insecure in the relationship. I felt really insecure. So then I would ask him about it. Like, hey, are you sure you want monogamy? Then he would get mad at me. Why Why do you keep asking me that? Mm-hmm. I, told, I already told you that I want monogamy. Why are you asking me that? He didn't like that I was kind of knocking at his door and yeah. causing him to sort of reckon with whether he wanted that or not. He didn't, he didn't want to face that, but it's easy to look at his piece. Okay. What was very difficult for me was to look at why over the course of a year's time in that relationship, there were many milestones of embodied wisdom saying alarm, red alert, cheating, non-monogamy, infidelity something's up here and i would go to this is this is how i gave my power away and i think a lot of people can relate to this in in whatever context uh it might apply for you but what i did is i would go to him and i would ask him for the truth make me feel better tell me what i want to hear and he did he made me feel better Temper, very temporarily. Temporarily, yeah. And he told me what, yeah, he told me what I wanted to hear. And this is where the self betrayal was. I believed what I what I deeply felt was was a lie was was not true. I believed his version of the truth, and I kept selling out and giving up on my own. That one of the payoffs to that was the sex was great. We just moved across the country. So we were living together. We had a car together and an apartment and furniture and dishes. So there was like a whole convenience factor. And I was, it was a codependent relationship. So I was, there were all sorts of kind of ties there. And I loved him. Of course. Despite all of that, I also deeply loved him. So super inconvenient to listen to that truth. And to say, you know, even though you're telling me that, something feels off here for me and I need to step away. I, cu- I couldn't do that. And so at that time in my life, of course. so what life needed to do, and this is how I think our lives work to wake us up to the truth is if I don't listen, then shit's going to get gnarly. I think about a fight we had on your 30th birthday outside like the Bellagio, <laughs> not you and I, but me no. and my <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> like a drunken, a drunken fight outside the Bellagio on Alexa's 30th birthday after everyone had gone home. Vegas. Baby. And the security guard telling us, you guys got to go deal with this elsewhere. <laughs> oh my God. I was like, I was like, this feels like some kind of low and you know, like what has to happen to, to get me to say, hey, something's out of alignment here. Like how fucking gnarly and shitty and painful does it have to get for me to finally listen? Yes. My body has known this for months. 
Well, you talk about so beautifully in the book, getting hit in the head by the cosmic two by four, mm-hmm. right? It's like, okay, first the universe is like, hey, shh, we got, we have some info for you. <laughs> and then it's like, hey, we have some info for you. Hey, you're not fucking listening. We have some goddamn info for you. Smash, <laughs> you know, it's like, and sometimes that's just what the smash is. It's just, you know, hitting rock bottom at the Bellagio and Vegas or whatever it is. Yeah. And, and, and that's what I'm interested in is like, yeah, sometimes we need that cosmic two by, by four. Sometimes we need the smash. Yeah. That's like, that's what it takes to wake us up. But what I'm interested in is like, at least for me, is what happens if I listen to the whisper in the meditation? Yes. What happens if I listen to the sensation in my body, even if my mind doesn't understand what that means? Yes. What happens if I let that wisdom lead and not do what we're taught to do in society, which is I will not take action based on my emotions. Emotions are irrational to woo-woo. I have to have a logical plan that makes sense. I think the logical plan that makes sense can be useful, but can also, if we, if we treat the mind as God, it can lead us into a life of selling out on what would really bring us true fulfillment and meaning and satisfaction and peace. Self-betrayal. Self-betrayal is... It's what's for dinner. It's what's for dinner for most of us. Fuck that. Um, I want to know if you have any tools for us. Like, how did you learn to really start listening to your gut and your intuition? And what were some of those tools that you cultivated to even make that a thing? Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and just like another comment about self-betrayal. Yeah that's connected to this is, is we, I I believe we learn how to find our center by exploring the extremes. So I'm not just saying like, sometimes we need the cosmic two by four, or sometimes we need the self-betrayal. Sometimes we literally need that experience to be like, Ooh, like, okay, I don't want to go any further than that. Time to wake up, time to get clear. You know, people in recovery often talk about that rock bottom moment. They need their bottom because it's the foundation from which they grow. Um, And so I think in terms of like connecting to listening to my body, for me, you know, and I know this is similar for you too, is like dance was the beginning for me, movement. And then the movement became yoga and yoga became sacred because it was a refuge from the dance studio for me, where it was all about, you know, performing and looking good and doing it in a very specific way, very specific way, hitting your mark on the beats, like being fierce, being a triple threat, like all of these externalized eyes on my dance experience, which caused me in my early twenties to lose the dancer, the artist, the, the, the spirit of the movement. So yoga became this practice of, of sacred listening for me of just like, Oh, I get to move, but like, I don't care how I look on this yoga mat. Like, who cares if you fart on this mat yeah (laughs) (laughs) let it all out like there's 80 people (laughs) in this yoga to the people room on saint mark's like so it's hot (laughs) and it's hot like 
And, and, and New York City to that point, like right. New York City actually taught me a lot about um, listening to my truth because there's so much noise that it's kind of ironic because now I feel like I need the stillness a lot more to hear yeah. the truth. But then I needed all of that rubbing up against me, all of that commotion to be like, ah, get out of my space. What is true within you? Yeah. Like there was something about the frenetic energy that connected me to myself. That friction that kind of allowed you to go, okay, hold on. Yeah. Yeah. I remember times on the subway, like we're Sacred. I, I was packed like a sardine with all the winter coats and like everyone's getting like shoved around by the, <laughs> you know, momentum of the train. Like felt up. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Felt up, pushed around, yeah. stinky smells, heat blowing in your face, backpack, knocking yeah. people. And I remember just closing my eyes and being like, oh my God, like literally God, yeah, please. I need to connect to the depths inside of me right now because I cannot handle this. Like, God, you're so right. Those extremes. Yeah. I would, you're so right. Like you have to, you're like, I need to go in. Like I need to go in. I need to go in because <laughs> you have to, it's too intense. Exactly. And th- those moments were like, like little mini meditations of God help me. I cannot handle this. And eventually that became a meditation practice which is like, okay, I don't, I actually don't need to be moving all the time. I can sit and I can just listen. I can be here with the discomfort. I can be here with what arises. I can be here with the thoughts. And then my meditation practice changed my connection to my body and my movement because then all of a sudden the yoga became meditation mm-hmm. where I was moving to listen, moving to feel, moving to release, moving to breathe. And, uh, and so I, th- I, I, I mean, the body, like we can't be disconnected from the body and honor its wisdom. We have to like go through these doorways. But I think about how for so many of us, you know, dance and fitness became hot yoga and hot yoga became just a regular flow. And then a regular flow becomes a slow flow. And then a slow flow becomes a meditation and a meditation becomes a 45 minute yoga nidra. A yoga nidra becomes a a medicine journey where you can't move for four hours. Like not that everyone has the same trajectory, but like the slow down. That could work. I mean, be a cool world. <laughs> it's like everybody. I, oh my gosh! Like these these tools are meant to guide us to listen. Right. Journaling can be a way to listen. So it's cool. like it's a daily practice. I can't just listen once, get the wisdom, and then live the rest of my life being like, oh yeah, I did that listening once. It's like. <laughs> no, yeah. like it's coming. One time, baby. Solitaire. One, one hit wonder. <laughs> one, went to one yoga class with Alexis Salvaggio and it changed my Change. life, which is true, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love you. Oh no, you're God. so right. Your it's amazing. Yoga classes. Whew. Oh, my little, my little love. Um, you're an angel in a dream, all wrapped into one. But it's, man. You're so right how that trajectory, I remember people asking me, I haven't been on on a podcast for a while, which I will be on yours soon, but. Come over and listen, y'all. Alexa's coming. Soul feed it up, y'all. But it's so true. Like I got into the yoga practice in like a very physical, visceral way. And if it hadn't been that, actually, I don't think I could have done it because I Mm -hmm. did come from that dance background as well. So if someone had been like, hey, you're going to sit there and you're going to just like be with yourself for 20 minutes, I would have been like, you know what? Bye. I'm good. Like, but make me do some sun salutes and like I'll, I'll focus on my breath. 
and then that'll lead me in. And then, that, mm. that, you know, eventually leads to exactly what you're talking about. Mm. That's so cool. You, you started to talk a little bit about sitting with discomfort and how, you know, that's such, that's like nowadays for me and my practice, like that's why I meditate. It's like, if I can sit with it here, like I'm much better at sitting with the discomfort out in the world. And like, no one gets a free pass on discomfort and trauma and triggers. And so I want to ask like, what happens when we actually get triggered? And then like, how do we start to get back to like who we really are? Mm. Oh, this is a big one. And, and discomfort can be such an excuse, a good, a decent excuse, of course, to like, be like, uh-uh, not dealing with that. No, thank you. Don't have the capacity. Bye. No truth. Bye. Yeah. And maybe yeah. that's in a yoga class. Someone's like, I'm not going to that teacher's class again. Like it was too slow. Yeah. Fuck you. Fuck exactly. you. Making me with myself. She made me hold that pose for five breaths. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Or, um, so when we're, when we're triggered, like whether that's an Instagram post or something you see on Facebook or something a friend says to you, or like a text message back and forth or whatever the trigger is. And I learned this from Hala Corey, a somatic psychotherapist and one of the co-founders of Off the Mat Into the World. Uh, and Hala teaches about what happens when we're triggered is how our, our center, our embodied center goes from being in our core to pinging over to whatever triggered us. And so our center literally, it gets pinged to whatever triggered us. And then it's like, there's a cord, there's like a tether mm -hmm. and we become like a puppet to that thing. And, and we think, oh, if I could change the thing that triggered me, then I'll feel better and I'll be back in my center. And so that's how we kind of catch ourselves in these dynamics where we're trying to fix everything outside of us so we can feel okay. Yeah. You stop triggering me. You stop triggering me. Right. Yeah. You so, be different. Yeah. And, and so I can feel okay. And so if, if this is resonating with you and you're listening, we want to like, first of all, have a shit ton of compassion for ourselves because these are coping mechanisms that come from somewhere. And so, so we want to start by like building our capacity to bring our center back. How do I bring my energetic, but also very like actual center back from whatever that thing is, if it's an Instagram post, how can I come back to my body? So it's like feeling the feet on the ground, feeling the, the breath in the belly. Noticing the body as the body exhales. Maybe imagining as the body's exhaling, that energy is going down through the legs, through the feet, like the nervous system is able to pour out some of this gripping and this tension. Like water flowing off of a waterfall, moving down through the legs, through the feet, into the earth. And just breathing, you know, just breathing. And, and so these can be 
things that allow us like tools that allow us to literally come back to our bodies and our breaths, because usually in these moments, our breath gets shallow and constricted. We go into the nervous system, fight or flight mode. The spine is just like in contraction and there's cortisol and adrenaline flooding through the body. And, and then the, the frontal lobes can go offline in that state because we're, and we don't think rationally because we're, we're, our bodies are in fight or flight. So if we can first ground, and this is like a somatic practice of, of titrating the nervous system of just like being like, okay, well, how much of this can I withstand right now? How, what can I handle right now in this moment? That's the problem with social media is that it's not here. Like, and yet we're interacting with it as if it is here, but the body is here. So we can, we can work with that. Yeah. Uh, and, um, the last thing I'll say about this is, well, I don't know. I think, yeah, that's, but that's part of the process is, oh, the, once we have that compassion for ourselves and we ground yeah, and to whatever degree we can, it doesn't mean that the trigger has gone away completely or we're not still thinking about it. It's, this is not like some kind of make it go away solution. We're just, we're just getting into our resources. Then we can ask, where is this coming from? If, if this is something that's repeated, like I keep getting triggered by this person, I keep getting triggered around this similar kind of topic, then we know, as Alexa, you've often said, if it's uh, hysterical, it's historical. Mm-hmm. We yes. know that like there's might be something, if we can stay grounded enough in our bodies and build a capacity for that discomfort, then we might have the capacity to look back and feel into where did I first feel this way? Where is this nervous system pattern kind of coming up where I always seem to give my power away or get triggered and lose energy around this type of dynamic? And that's kind of, that's the big work, you know? Yeah, so real. Mm -hmm. And that takes so much, I mean, again, just looking at your truth, like, wow, this is a trigger for me. Like, what am I going to do about being able to sit with that or how am I going to now do the the heavy lifting of like healing that thing, even though it's uncomfortable. Right. Because the child wants to say, you made me do this. You You made me feel this way. And so we're in a parent dynamic with the thing that has power over us versus becoming the adult in the room and the adult in your body not an adult in a like a grow the fuck up kind of way, an adult mm-hmm. in a like you can actually be tender to your inner child. Like an oh sweetheart way. Like, oh sweetheart. Mm. Hold on. I understand. I'm with yeah. you. I yeah. got you. I'll never let you go. You're you're mm. safe. Mm. I know huge. you've done like like work around that. And oh, yeah. can feel <laughs> it in the way you say, in the way you say those words, oh sweetheart. For sure. Are you familiar with Mark Wolin at all? I don't think so. How do you spell his last name? I would love to give you a book. Um, Dr. Mark Wolin. I actually heard about him through Mark Groves. Okay. Um, And um, Mark and I talked about him a little bit on my podcast, like back in the day. Mm -hmm. Um, But he wrote a book called It Didn't Start With You. Mm -hmm. And he leads you through this whole experience of that basically of like when you are in trigger when you are in that like 
fight, flight, freeze, you know, sympathetic nervous system, basically holding yourself, like physically holding yourself like a child and saying those words of, oh, sweetheart, like I, I'm here, I'm going to stay with you and breathe with you until, you know, until this moves. And it's such a beautiful procedure. And he actually talks a lot about um, what you spoke about at the beginning of your book around generational trauma and how we inherit trauma through the DNA of our ancestors. And that's really like the kind of foundation of his work. It's so powerful, but I love his system of calming the nervous system in that way. It's, it's really cool. It's amazing because it's building our capacity yes. to hold some of this really intense stuff that can come up. And if we attack someone else for it, or we try and cope by eating or drinking or whatever, yes. blessings towards those coping mechanisms, because we can have compassion for those too. Totally. But yeah, if we, if we can build our capacity to be in relationship with the trigger, then we can transform the way that we interact with it. And it doesn't mean that it'll go away or it'll never happen again, or we won't feel it, but it means that we were like integrating that ability to like be gentle and hold ourselves. It's so important to be gentle right now. I mean, again, like no one gets a free pass and, you know, I want to talk a little bit about grief. I, I, um, I haven't read the whole book yet because I just got my hands on it last night, but I did actually read quite a bit of it. And I do know that I do know the story of your aunt Bonnie. Um, mm. and it was, I love that you speak to this in the book. Um, and of course, you know, that my mom just passed from ovarian cancer, which is how your aunt passed as well. Um, and just the, the truth of sitting with, with grief and it's like so big, right? Like, to the point where you're like, fuck this. Like I want, like, I just need like a second. Like, I just want to feel good for like a second. And like, that's the truth right now. Right. Like, what do we do with these big grief grievances? Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, grief in, in the fourth chapter, which is about the fourth chakra, which is the heart. We talk about emotions and listening to the heart and leading with the heart. And I talk about two big emotions, grief and rage, because I yes. feel like they're such important emotions and ones that we often don't know how to process until we're in the thick of them. And even then we don't know how necessarily <laughs> to process them. Yeah. Even then we're like, no, oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I share two stories in the book. Um, one is uh, actually Sarah Montana's story of yes. losing her, um, her mother and her brother um, at gunpoint, like a couple days before Christmas. She's also been on the podcast, My Little Savages. Her story yeah. is wild. Go back and give it a listen. Yep. Yeah, Sarah, someone that both Alexa and I know. I remember when the three of us met uh, downtown in New downtown York. Wall Street. Oh my God. Um, and, and I also talk about this woman that I interviewed who was, uh, the mother of one of the Sandy Hook, um, Oof. uh, third graders who yes. passed Jesse Lewis and, and his mother, um, Scarlett Lewis started a choose love movement organization. And so I use like their two stories as like, 
profound stories of how they not only have transformed grief into purpose, into like their life's mission. Um, Scarlett is so committed to preventing gun violence by teaching emotional intelligence and emotional um, learning, social emotional learning in schools. Because she believes that shooting wouldn't have happened if that shooter had more of a capacity and more choices to deal with his anger. Yeah. Um, and then Sarah, how she's, you know, turned her, her grief into speaking and writing and talking about her relationship with her mother and her brother beyond the physical world. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I think like grief is, grief is a, is like a, is like a, um, a fingerprint. It's like different for each of us. It has its own unique qualities and, and it's, it's, it requires that we engage with our humanity in ways that like, I mean, honestly, I feel like I'm looking at you in the eyes. You probably know so much more than I do um, or, or maybe not more than I do, but in such a real and relevant raw way. Yeah. And so um, with my aunt Bonnie, the, the moment that I uh, there's a couple of like aspects of that story that, are really poignant. And one of them is I got stoned and I took a bath on my day off in New York city. Like this is like, Oh, a decade ago. And there was something about the THC and the bathtub that relaxed my nervous system that I just started sobbing in this bathtub. And it was like, God spoke to me in the form of intuition and deep embodied knowing. Yes. Go, go see get her. Yeah, go your see Aunt her. Bonnie now. Yeah. And so real. Yeah. And I, I listened and it took me a week to get there because of all of my schedule rearrangements and stuff like that. But I got into Philadelphia. I took the train from New York. My cousin picked me up. I walked into her old house that she's lived in for like 40 years and she's in hospice um, or on hospice and she's in the bed. And and my cousin lets me know like, Hey, she said goodbyes for like a third time last night to all of us. And she hasn't spoken in 24 hours. And so you're probably not going to hear much from her, but you'll see her and, and she might be able to hear you. And so I walk in and I've got my like cup of Wawa coffee and her friend, Mrs. Cassidy is in the room and my cousins are in the room, uh, beans and Katie and Christine and Ron. And, um, and Mrs. Cassidy goes, Shannon, Shannon, talk to her, talk to her. She can hear you. And I'm like, okay. Like my aunt looks so frail, more frail than I had ever seen her before. And I start going through these memories and she shoots up in her hospice bed, grabs my hand and she, her eyes dart open and she goes, Shannon, (laughs) I'm saying it in the Philadelphia dialect, Shannon. And I'm like, Oh my God, I just killed my aunt. I'm like, that much energy just came out of someone who looks like that. She's gone. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like sweating and I'm scared. And she instantly falls back into the bed. She's got a strong grip on my hand. And I start going through all the memories and and I'm just, you know, going through each one and she's holding my hand. And as it turns out, I found, you know, she passed away that night. I made it just in time. And my cousins told me the next day that my name, Shannon, was the last thing she ever said. 
And this aunt, this is an, this woman was like, uh, so ready to die in the sense that she didn't, I don't think she wanted to leave her family, but she said, if God, she said to me a couple months prior to this, Shannon, if God's ready for me, I'm ready to go. And she surrendered to the plan. And I know that she gave her family members a lot of peace in her surrender. And, and I think she gave herself a lot of peace as well. And so that, that story is not only about grief, but also about what it looks like to let go of the fact that we don't have control and what's possible, not only when we surrender our lives in such a kind of dramatic example of dying, but what happens when we surrender in a little moment here or there throughout our days and connect to that like God, goddess, universe, higher power. What, what, what do you have for me? that I might not know. Oh, that's so beautiful. And how you trusted the truth of your intuition, which was like, so, I mean, it was, had, had that happened one day later, who knows if you would have gotten to connect to her at all. Yeah. In the physical. Yeah. 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 Huge. It is. It's also astonishing to me, just the the vision of what you just described. It's amazing how the death process and the birth process are quite similar. You know, mm-hmm. you know, everyone comes together, and you're kind of sitting around, and you're waiting, and you're, oh my gosh, is there any news? Anything? Is she? What's happening? The only difference is one person leaves, and one person comes, mm-hmm. and it's just so fascinating. It's it's so beautiful. It really is the cycle. Yeah, these 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 doorways in and out of this world, and how um, I mean, you know, like how sacred. There's something that happens in the air when someone's at the end, and I remember just like this palpable eleventh hour that night uh, as we were praying around my aunt and saying her favorite rosary. Mm. There was just this like palpable energy of like this spirit is about to be lifted from this form. Let us gather and be with this moment. And the being is so it because, you know, we have all these things that we want and we do, and we're running around and doing and doing and doing and doing. And then really at the end, um, seeing that being I've never seen my mother so embodied Mm -hmm. as right before she died like so in herself wow and man what if we all just listen to the truth of of that that that's accessible to us anytime if we're dying or not right you don't have to wait until we're on our deathbed to be embodied happen anytime it's like it reminds me of the steve jobs commencement speech of like consider your own mortality every day right because it keeps you kind of in this presence of of like of living so there's something just as we're here reflecting on the potency of like that moment of death that brings us back to the preciousness of life there's like that tension of opposites And yeah, and just the way that you, you know, with your mom, 
I'm just in awe of like your commitment to her and your presence, your being like, you just, I mean, that's, that's the word, like being the way that you were being there with her, with her being as she made that, that transit, like such special moments and like, and also shows like your capacity mm. as a human and as a healer. It's because I have some really good teachers around me. <laughs> like you, my love. Mm. Thank you so, so much for sharing so much goodness and so much wisdom with me today. Um, I feel like I want everyone to read this book. I don't feel like it. I, I do. I want everyone to read this book. Mm. Where can we find it? Where can we find you? And how can we connect to you? Yeah, well... Um, trustyourtruthbook.com. Trustyourtruthbook.com is the book website. There is a guided meditation album that's going with the chapter. So there's a meditation for each chapter, for each chakra. Um, and there's also going to be an embodied practice and two yoga nidra practices for deep Ooh. relaxation. So if you get the book, make sure you sign up for the bonus gifts. And I'm Shannon.algio on Instagram come over and listen to Alexa's podcast on soul feed. Um, there's a couple on there and there's going to be a new one coming out soon. So um, yeah, Alexa, I'm just so grateful that you, you know, it was so wild to you. You texted me, I'm reading the book. And then you start, I start to imagine like, Oh my God, Alexa's reading the book. It's like in the bathtub. It was so good. I it's like, like someone's like, I'm holding your child. I'm like, oh, oh my God. Full, oh, full on. Yeah, I can't even. Oh my God. I'm so proud of you, Shannon. Thank you so much, my love. I'm so grateful to be with you in this life. And I love you. I love you so, so mucho. All right, baby. I'll talk well, to you soon. I'll talk to you soon. Love you. All right, you guys, thank you so much for carving out the time to listen to this wisdom, to listen to uh, all this goodness. Um, once again, gentle reminder to please check out savagelosangeles.com to learn more about my new company that I'm so proud of. I hope it inspires you to create and cultivate a life that you dig. Um, and also, if you are down and have, you know, oh, I don't know, 10 seconds, then please, please give this podcast a five-star review on iTunes. Super easy. Just give it five stars, maybe say a few kind words. And if you dug it, please share it with your friends. I would be over the moon with gratitude. Um, all right. You guys are the bee's knees. Much love. Stay savage. Stay savage.